And uh, so we'll just begin reading. Um, For God who commanded, verse 6 in Corinthians chapter 4, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I think that's one of the, one of the, maybe not the subject, I I believe I I feel confident in what is the theme, what he's dealing with, what we'd say the subject is. Uh, But I believe that is something that Paul never got over and that just pushed him onward as a soldier uh, for Christ and an ambassador to continue to do what God called him to do. Because if any man had a reason to quit since Christ's, since Christ's uh, uh, ascension, it would be the Apostle Paul. And I think what continued to push him uh, and push him onward is to think about this uh, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, how it shined into his heart. And uh, so we need to remember that. And this, when you think about fainting, you think about giving up, just remember God uh, who commanded the light for no reason whatsoever is being referenced here. Not just merely the God that creates out of nothing and talking about his, his power and his uh, referencing that. I think it's also referencing the fact uh, that you weren't looking for him. He came looking for you. He shined the light out of darkness. And uh, so when you least deserved it, when you were not in a place you were even looking for it, somebody brought you the gospel. And by that gospel, God shined the light into your heart. And so I don't care what you feel like, how you feel. There's a lot of times we don't feel like doing nothing. I could have canceled the night for rain, done a rain delay, and sat home and slept most of the evening. I was just tired, you know. Uh, But no matter how we feel, we just got to keep going, don't we? And so I just want to encourage you and say, well, I don't feel good. I feel like quitting. I understand that. Don't quit, though. Just keep on going for God. Uh, he deserves it. And remember, those many years ago, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He shined in your heart. And that will help you to keep going, even in your later years. I know it gets difficult and it gets weary. A man that's battled and fought the world and the flesh and the devil. When I say man, you know, mankind is what I'm referencing here. Men and ladies uh, in their later years, they've fought battles and they're weary. And I understand uh, to a degree of that, at least in theory, I can understand it. Uh, But just keep on going for Jesus. You can still be effective for the Lord and you can still give out the gospel and be a witness for him. And so don't give up. God shined in your heart when you uh, were in darkness. Thank the Lord for that. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels, he said, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then he goes and talks about that earthen vessel and talks about how weak it is. It's troubled on every side. It's often uh, depressed. Uh, It's often perplexed, uh, but not in despair. I'll give you the outline here and we'll just go on. The problems, but not distress. Uh, We always uh, have help. We're perplexed, but not in despair, and so we're not without hope. And we're persecuted, not disowned, and we're not without Him. And we're put down, but not destroyed, which means we're never without a home. And so he encourages you to go on. I know if it's necessary, the manifold temptations Peter talked about um, that, uh, that you're in, just keep on going uh, because you've always got him and you've always got help and you've always got hope. You've always got a home. 
And so just try to do your best to rise above all those things and God will see you through it on the other side. If you think about it, the songwriter said we're on the winning side. We're not on the side that's winning. We're on the side that's already won. And so I, I don't know how it's going to go, but I know how the end's going to go. And he's going to put all things under his feet. He reconciled all things unto himself and the dime restitution of all things. And he's patiently awaiting for, the, for God said, the father said, uh, wait, sit thou on my right hand till thy enemies be made thy footstool. And so I know how the end's going. We've read about the end. I don't know how tomorrow's going to be for you, but I do know this. If you're saved, you've got Jesus with you. You've got hope in your heart. You've got a home in heaven. For if it were not so, I would have told you. What, what he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come and receive you unto myself, that where I may be, there you may be also. And boy, I tell you, the more and more I just look forward to that day. My faith becomes sight, and I see him. That's what he's going to go and say in the next chapter. And we're earnestly groaning, desiring to be clothed upon. Boy, he's talking about a new body, isn't he? A new life. And so he gets through that, and we get to verse number 10, always bearing about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, and the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And so verse number 12, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. And Lord, help us to maintain that kind of spirit that as the Lord is allowing death to be worked into our members. We're crucified this world. The world's crucified to us. And so we have to crucify. They are, he has crucified the, uh, see, the lust and the affections thereof. Believe how it's put. And so we're always going through things that are causing our flesh to die and decrease. Uh, but uh, let's let the worlds in our light so shine before men and let them see the life of Jesus also. And um, that's what he encourages him to do. So as death works in us, uh, let's have a mind to see life worked in others. And that's uh, what's being alluded to here in verse number 12. And um, as we see our portrayal uh, in verse number 10, goes on down through verse number 12 as we portray. And as the one man wrote, God exhibits death in the living that he may exhibit life in the dying. Nobody dies like God's people do. I've been to some funerals of people that aren't saved, and it's not good. It is full of misery and pain and tears, and you talk about being perplexed. I probably told you I did the funeral of a young lady's mother died, been on drugs her whole life, left no, even a shred of evidence of any kind of testimony that she was saved. And boy, what a misery that poor family was in. Because if there's a hell that's burning under our feet, they knew more than likely their mother was in it. That's a hard way to go, isn't it? Well, we owe our families a better testimony than that. I don't want my kids standing my side in my casket wondering where I really ended up. And uh, so, but I've been to some funerals. I'm thinking about one um, Everett Plemons, thought about his funeral. Man, the Lord moved in that place. We shouted. You couldn't, you, you was crying as you said he was gone, but you wouldn't bring him back for nothing. You knew he was in a better place in a land fairer than day. And uh, 
Man, God's people just die different. They just die different. And uh, so thank God for that. All right, now verse number 13, we'll move along here. Now he talks about this faith. And uh, faith is the foundation. One man put it like this in this psalm. We're going to go uh, to the 116th psalm. He's going to say this. He's, he's quoting the Old Testament here. And um, one man said faith was the foundation of his recovery. Um, I've been pondering a lot about that because I'm, I'm scared of calling faith a foundation. Uh, I believe faith is always a means, uh, but the foundation upon which anything's done is the grace of God. I'm careful to think about that. But I, 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 do, I do think and see, uh, as we see this matter of not um, feigning and getting the gospel out, uh, no matter what comes our way, we've got to uh, look at all the things that he talked about in that earthen vessel. And it helps to know uh, that God's not just allowing things to happen for nothing, right? I mean, God's got a purpose behind all that he's doing. Nothing happens to act by accident to those that are saved. God's provident or providential hand is in every everything we do. And uh, so that's all helpful, and I appreciate those good verses that we get down through there. But then he talks about faith and how faith should be involved in our not feigning and giving out the gospel. So turn with me. Let's read the verse, and then we'll turn back uh, to the 116th Psalm and read just a couple of things here and look at this that he's referencing. We having the same spirit of faith... According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. And so let's turn back, and we'll look here in verse number 13 at our persuasion. Now, in Psalm 116, the 116th Psalm here, I, I, I thought often about this, and I don't really mind either way you want to look at it. I, I kind of think this is a psalm of a saved man. Uh, but if you don't, that's okay. I don't, I don't see a lot to fall out with you with there that I, I have majorly to hold on to to talk about that or to say in that belief that I think this man's saved. Um, and he's talking about a time in his life when he was uh, struggling with something and that this is a saved man's song. But that's okay because either way it doesn't do any damage to it to me because I can see it either way. But uh, Paul quotes this now. Okay, so remember where we're going. He says, uh, having this ministry, we faint not. And, I, I, and, and, and he's saying, no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, I'm not going to let anything or anybody stop me from getting this gospel out. And then he sees the excellency of the power, maybe of God, and you see how the things you suffer in your body, Christ allow, so that the life might be made manifested through your mortal flesh. And then he comes down here, and, I, and he says in, this, in that verse, talking about our persuasion, he talks about his faith. We believe, therefore we speak. That's faith. So let's, before we get into this too, too, uh, too deeply here, uh, if we believe something, if I, if I believe the gospel, how many of you remember when you got saved, you just couldn't help, you just told everybody. One man, one, one man said, my first birth, my mama told me all about it. My second birth, I told mama all about it. That's how it is. You get saved, and man, you just tell everybody about it. And uh, um, man, because you believe God, God saved you, God changed your life, and and um, and so what happens as we go on in life? Uh, uh, I don't know what happened. There's many, lots of things that we wouldn't have time tonight to cover every asset, uh, aspect of what could happen to get a man faint uh, in getting out the gospel. 
Uh, but here's one thing that kept Paul moving forward. He said, I believe, therefore I speak. And so if you think about what is being related to here, if we believe what this Bible said, shouldn't we speak? Think about all that's being said here. If I believe that God is going to put men in a flame of fire to burn and to never be consumed forever, and I believe that God would even put my family there if they don't believe on Jesus, if I really believe that God is going to judge the quick and the dead by the words of Jesus, then I better speak. That's almost what, it, what, what I feel here. If I really believe that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, and the only answer that they have is Jesus, and they can't hear about him except I tell them and proclaim the gospel, if I really believe that, then it ought to motivate me to speak and let them know who in the world wants to see somebody go to hell. Right, so if we really believe it, and uh, so uh, uh, how many of you believe uh, that any man outside of Christ is doomed and damned for eternity if he doesn't believe on Jesus? We all believe that as good Baptists, don't we? And so how many of us believe uh, that God uses us in this ministry of reconciliation that unless we were good, faithful Calvinists, we must believe that we are necessary in their salvation by giving out the gospel? You got to believe that or you got to believe God doesn't need you at all. He can save them and quicken them and just uh, do something inside, infuse them with faith and they can believe it and never need. That, that's not what the New Testament teaches, is it? All through Romans and many other places, we are exhorted to go into all the world. That's what Jesus left us with in the Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, Right? And so if we really believe what Christ has told us about eternity, if we really believe that God, Jesus said it's so bad that it would be better for you to reach into your head and grab a hold of your eyeball and pull it out of your head than to enter into hell. Is that what Jesus said? That sounds pretty bad to me, doesn't it? Who wants anybody to go to a place that's that bad? Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Darkness forever. Well, we seem to be okay with a lot of them going, aren't we? The way we live, right? Because if we believed it, we'd speak it. Is that right? So, Lord, help me. I do believe this book. Do you believe it? And I believe that God's commanded me to just give out the truth and I want to be faithful to discharge my duties that the Lord's given me. Do you? He's showed us to be soldiers. He's chosen us in a war. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to be, uh, uh, it says quit you like men. We're supposed to be uh, uh, not let anything come in between us and the charge that God's left us with. And what is that charge to go into all the world, right? Praise the gospel. What else is there that we can do? That's the one thing you'll never do in eternity. There'll be no giving out the gospel in eternity. Right? When men die, it's over. There's no purgatory. There's no praying them out of purgatory. There's no going to the Pope and paying him off and getting them out. None of that. If you die without Jesus... There's no hope for your soul. It's over, right? And if I sit idly by and let them die without Jesus, it's, 
it's over for them just the same. But it's not over for me. For you shall all stand. We shall all stand before the judgment seat. I fear that judgment seat. Not for my sins. I believe the deeper than the stain is gone of the blood of Jesus has washed every one of my sins away. I am not going to stand before God. I will be perfect standing in Jesus. But I believe these kind of things are going to be accounted for. I believe this kind of stuff, our works, will be tried as by fire. Is that what it said? Whether they be good or whether they be bad. And what, what's it? Uh, uh, wood, hay, and stubble will burn up. And what's the only thing that's going to remain? And so, I don't know about you, but I don't want to look at Jesus with a life and standing in ashes of wood, hay, and stubble as I look on him who was pierced for me. Do you? I want to have some crowns to lay at his feet. I believe that. I believe in all of them. Now, let's not get this, 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 distracted. Okay, so he's coming down through here. He's exhorting us, let's not faint. Uh, having received mercy, we have a ministry, we faint not. And he comes down through here and reminds us and talks about the light shining into us and how that we should also uh, want to see others reached. And, and then he encourages us going through persecution and how we ought to remember that we're never in despair, we're never forsaken, we always have something. That encourages us. And then he talks about, but we believe, therefore we speak. And he's quoting the Old Testament here. And so let's look at this man that he's quoting. We'll get on down into the verse here, but let's read it quickly. It's not the 116th Psalm. Verse number one. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. <laughs> that's not the only reason to love the Lord, but that's a pretty good one, isn't it? At the time in this man's life, he's saying, I love God because he heard my voice. Now, now, there's a lot of reasons to love God, but when you're down and you feel like you're without hope and you feel like you're perplexed and you're drowning and you're in that place of despair, aren't you glad that somebody who's got the ability to help you has an ear that's attending your cry? Hallelujah. Now, he said, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice in my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, there's some language that you go back and forth here, wondering whether or not this is a salvation uh, thing here. Uh, but uh, I, I'm kind of, I could be persuaded the other way easily, but I, I'm kind of convinced here that he's already saved. But, so he's rejoicing in the Lord. I, I cried out to God and God helped me. Um, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, and I'll call upon him as long as I live. Boy, that do us good. You called out to him when you were without hope and without God, and he heard you. Why don't you cry out to him now? You too proud? You don't believe it anymore? Why don't you cry out to him? When's the last time you had just a good cry out to God? Been a while for some. He said, as long as I live, I'm going to cry out to God. The sorrows of death compassed me. The pangs of hell got hold upon me. Now you'll see that language similar to 
other places, Job and other places. I won't go into all that, uh, what he's talking about here, the pains of hell. It's a way of expressing what he was going through at the time. The sorrows of death, it may be, I'm kind of convinced more that it is something maybe even physically that he was uh, dealing with and was soon maybe to face death, but uh, something that is obviously deeply troubling to him uh, as the sorrows of death can pass to me. But also there's language, and I looked at other references that also uh, do uh, uh, back this idea, the sorrows of death can passing me. He's not always talking about a man that's thinking he's going to die. It's not always the case. What is it doing is expressing a deep emotion of what you can get an idea of what this man must be going through. How many people were not just emotionally have been to a place where you felt like the sorrows of death had compassed you? You know, that's the, that's the most serious language we could use. The Bible uses it of the Holy Ghost. Grieve not the Spirit of God. That's talking about grieving as in when somebody dies in death. That's the, that's the most painful time to express human emotion that we can all understand that you're really going through something. If you told me the pains, uh, the, the sorrows of death have compassed about me, I would understand what your soul what might be going through at the time. So I, I'm not sure. Either way, it's okay with me. But what I'm trying to say is this, is this man was going through something that was really troubling to him. Anybody ever been through a time like that where like the sorrow, you felt like it couldn't get any more sorrowful for you? And it was almost like the pains of hell. I mean, uh, what's being referenced here is again the intense suffering of this man as he lays out this psalm and tells of the grace of God and how God helped him. He, he wants us to understand the pain and the misery and the sorrow that he's in. They compassed about me. And then he said in verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Well, Mr. Psalmist, I, I, I got to tell you here, that was not a very eloquent prayer. I mean, I've not even found that on the back of a track. Listen, you'll forget a lot of that formality stuff when you get the death, when the pains and sorrows of death are compassed about you. That's, that's when you'll get real with God. God, all I know to say is, oh God. How many of you have ever prayed like that? I don't even know what to ask for. I don't even know what the question is, let alone to ask for... I, I mean, I've been in some troubling times. When you, get, when you get troubled like that, when you get troubled emotionally, physically, spiritually, however it comes to you, and you get real, you get real with God and you get honest with God, uh, I, I, think, I think sometimes, you know, me and I, and, and, and I see this a lot of times um, out of preachers, you know, I, I, I kind of like being in a meeting and uh, the preacher will just call on somebody who's not a preacher and they'll just talk to God. You ever hear somebody that just talks just honestly to God? Uh, I heard one man said this, God, it's me again. <laughs> it's just, you don't learn that in Bible school. They don't teach you that. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't very eloquent. It wasn't, he was just, he's just talking to God. Isn't that what prayer is? Just be honest with God. Just talk to God. And that's what he did. Look at what he said. I called upon the name of the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm begging you, deliver my soul. Now, again, 
this doesn't matter much to me or to you technically really what's being said here because it's, it's true whether you're calling out to God for salvation in the sense of eternal salvation of your soul or you're crying out to God. There's many savings in the Bible for us, isn't there not? There's all kinds of God saving us. God saved me out of trouble, right? God saved me out of sickness, there's all kinds of salvations being referenced here. And so what he's saying here is, oh, I beseech you, I beg you, God, deliver my soul. And that never changes whether you're calling out to him for salvation or you're calling out to him when you're later on down in your ears and you're so depressed and you're so down, you don't even know, let alone if you're saved anymore, you don't even know if God's real. I can name a missionary right now, I'd shock you to hear his testimony of his doubts and fears about God. He said, I don't know how many times I've gone through life and just wondered, is God real at all? While he's on the mission field winning souls for the Lord. <laughs> You're in good company to have fears and doubts. It's not a good thing. But there's only one place that you can go to get any help. And first you're going to have to get real with God. You're going to have to believe God. You think God wants to help you tonight? Do you think God likes to see you just wallow around in misery and depression? And Do you think God enjoys watching his children? Do you like watching your children down like that? I know I don't. And they hurt in places I can't reach. If I could just smack somebody, I'd smack them, but that's rarely the problem. <laughs> and uh, so God's able to reach in to where help uh, in places and areas and times. And, and so we got to believe God and be persuaded that God is able to help us. And I want to keep this thing going here. And I, I know it's not in high gear here, but I want, I want to just be serious about what I'm talking about because I don't think in this matter of, of, of getting out the gospel, any of us have a whole lot to shout about. And you'll find out that's true about preachers too. They'll get in pulpits and they'll preach in the pulpit, but you'll see them at a restaurant. They'll let everybody around them go to hell. It's easy to preach when God's helping you to preach in the pulpit to people that agree like you or amen in you. So this from the pulpit to the pew, I don't think there's a lot of shouting ground when it comes to this matter of getting the gospel out to you. Even, even in missions, I think we can do more for missions. I think we can do more in personal evangelism, world missions. I think there's always ground to be taken. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know how many times that God has come by my little old pitiful self. I've been allowed something in my life that brought me low. I'm usually the one bringing myself low. That's rarely anybody else has done anything. And I've gotten myself, regardless of how you got there, when you've been brought low, isn't it good when God comes by for no reason and helps you? That's what this psalmist is saying. I was brought low and, uh, and God helped me. God's merciful. Return unto thy rest, O my soul. <laughs> this is why I'm a little more convinced of what he's saying here. I'm going to go quick because that's not the message tonight. But 
I'm convinced it's, it's a saved man uh, pray, uh, praying this. It's something, some kind of tragedy he's gone through, some kind of heartache, kind of something in his life. Uh, because uh, nobody's soul's at rest before they get saved, right? And so I, I kind of think what's happened here is this is a man who is saved and he's gone through his, his, life, his Christian life, we would say, and something's just come into his life and he's gone to God and he believed God and he cried out to God and God helped him for God is merciful. Don't we believe that? And, and, and so what he tells is, so, okay, all right, so it's all right, go back to sleep. Go back to your peace and your tranquility you're in for God has helped you. I think that's what he's saying here. And, and, and I, I don't know about you, but man, when my soul's been in trouble, and, and, and just like we read in John 12 and Jesus this morning of his soul being troubled, I know what it's like to be troubled on the outside. But I know, I know what it's like, and this is more uh, uh, um, uh, hurtful to me, is to be troubled on the inside, to be troubled in your soul. Are you troubled in your soul tonight about something? Maybe you're not saved. You ought to be troubled in your soul. Because it's your soul that's going to live forever somewhere. But Christians, we get troubled in our soul, don't we? I don't know about you, but my own failures tend to plummet me down and bring me low more than anything else in this world. When I get to thinking and self-reflecting about who I am, what I am, what I'm not, what of this and that, if I didn't stay in such good shape, I'd just be miserable. <laughs> I had to lighten the load there a little bit. Boy, be troubled in your soul. We, you know what we ought, we ought to be troubled in our soul about how what we've done with the gospel of Jesus. It ought to trouble our soul how little I feel like I've done. Say, preacher, well, you're a preacher. Yeah, but this is one preacher that would be at least honest enough to tell you I've done a lot of preaching, uh, not as much as maybe some. I've preached in a lot of different pulpits and a lot of different places, Brother Oliver. been invited to preach. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. But in those times, I've not been invited to come. Nobody's asked me to come. There's no recognition in it. There's no boy, Brother Clint, really preached a great message. <laughs> There's no amens. And it's just me and God and some poor sinner that needs Jesus. I'd have to say overall in my Christian life, I've failed. I have failed. That's how I feel. There's been times that's been so and I've done better and worse. I'm kind of like up and down all the time. But if you took a big picture overall, I'd say a lot of us could say about ourselves when it comes to me personally, oh, I've given to missions since uh, a year into being saved. I met Brother Blue, learned faith promise missions, started giving. I, 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 I'm, I can write a check. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just one-on-one. -on -one. I'm talking about going through the drive-thru. I'm talking about sitting down to eat. I'm, talk I'm talking about when I first got saved, I used to, there wouldn't be a gas handle left without a track in it. I just wanted somebody to get saved. And now, if they don't get out of my way so I can pump my gas and quit standing there, I'm going to slap one up. You see, that's, you ever think like that? And think, why am I in such a hurry? 
here's a soul that's going to hell. And yeah, they, they probably aren't going to hear it. The odds aren't very good at them listening to you. The odds of them receiving it and not making fun of you are, are very slim. But boy, I'd hate to, I, I, I'm going to hate to stand there. I have no biblical basis for this. I do not think that I don't know that God's going to do us this way. Please, and I've heard preachers preach that and take a big long run at it. And I just don't see that in the Bible. But I wonder if I'll at least, if, if I'm known as I'm known, and, I, and we have the capacity before he wipes all our tears away, we'll be at the great white throne judgment bearing witness to the judgment of God. I do have to wonder if I'll see faces of people that I let go. Boy, that bothers me. And watch God say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. And watch God cast him into outer darkness. I'm telling you, that bothers my soul. It troubles me. And I want to do better about that. Don't you? I want to do better. I don't think you can find, I don't know of another denomination that does more for missions. The Southern Baptists used to be. They, God, used them in this country. You say what you want to about them now, but God used the Southern Baptist Convention of church, Churches to get this gospel out and send missionaries on the field. And, but my, I believe through faith, promise, giving, and other things, I believe God has used independent churches to do things for missions. It's just it's unimaginable. When you talk to some churches and they're running 50 or 60 people and their people are giving over $200,000 a year to see the gospel go around. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, amen. But I wonder how many of those little times, and day in, day out, that we just pass somebody and just don't even give it another thought. Amen. You can't write a check to relieve that duty. See, see, I think sometimes we think that. And I'm all for missions. Please don't misunderstand me. But I do think a lot of times we think paying a preacher, well, that's what my pastor's for. No, I mean, your pastor ought to do the work of an evangelist, made for his ministry and all those things. But it's your responsibility to get this gospel out. Right? And so I don't think you can say, well, I miss that person, but I'll, I'll give an extra $50. It don't work that way, does it? And so... If we really believe God, we really believe God, let's start speaking it. Amen. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. What do we got to lose? What else, what else are you doing that's earning you anything? All this, all this money that you're making, all this stuff on your job, all that's going to perish with the, with the user. God's going to burn all that up one day. This ain't going to last for nobody, is it? But there's some, there are some things that will outlast uh, you in this life. That will meet you on the other side. <laughs> I, what did Paul put it? Uh, not that I require, I can't remember the first part. But fruit to your account. Is that how you put it? You think there's an account over there? Do you want some fruit laid up over there? Some treasures laid up over there on that account? I don't know about you, but I should like to have some. Why, Brother Clint, so you can have a real nice mansion on the streets and go, I'd be lucky to have a cardboard box down on Pauper Street. Are you kidding me? But when I think about my darkness that I was in, 
And out of nowhere, God came into my life and invaded my life, flooded my soul with peace and joy everlasting. I don't want to look up at him and have just completely failed him in receiving the grace of God in vain. Do you? So if we believe it, let's speak it. Boy, I wanted to go into this thing, but this. Well, at least read the verse. Okay, there's delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And he goes on to talk about, I'm going to pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I believed, therefore have I spoken. Verse number 10. That's what's being referenced in this 2 Corinthians 4. Now let's bring it back around. Go back to 2 Corinthians. And let me see if we can get our minds back on track here. All right, so... God's entrusted us with this gospel. He's, we don't need to feign at it. He goes down through and gives us all those things. Then we come to this verse of our persuasion. And he said, we having the same spirit of faith, as according as it written, I believed, and therefore I've spoken. Look at this last part. We also believe and therefore speak. And so that's it's another bit of encouragement to us is that we've believed. Do you believe this book? Do you believe this Bible? Well, if you do, start speaking it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? And so if we believe, we, we, we need to speak it. I, and there was a time that you did, and, I, and, and you've let, okay, well, this come into my life, or I failed God here, or I did something wrong there. That doesn't discharge your responsibility from speaking about what you believe. If you believe it, it's your responsibility to speak it. I don't care where you failed God at. You don't get to say, well, you know, I failed God here and I I messed up over here and and man, everybody knows about this, everybody knows about that and I failed God here and I messed up there and and, and so I'm no good, I can't be you. I'm sorry, there may be some things you can't do but I can tell you this much, nobody's discharged in their duties so long as their feet are planted on this temporal earth and giving out this gospel that they say they believe. Nobody gets to on that responsibility. Nobody does. Believe it. Hey, speak it. It's a shame to hear testimony like this. Oh, you mean he's a Christian? Anybody ever heard those people on the job you worked with and then all of a sudden they come up and they start talking about or somebody says, oh, he's a deacon at a church. (laughs) Say what? (laughs) I was hoping he'd get saved. Lord, help that not be our... This world ought to hear it firsthand from us what we believe. Don't let it come around some other way. I think I ought to hear it from you. Anyway, I walk in and tell folks and let them know and speak what we believe. I've got nothing to be ashamed of in what I believe about this Bible. The power of God unto salvation. If I've got a lot to be ashamed of, but it ain't the gospel. 
And they might say, well, yeah, look at you and what you did. And you know what? They'd be right. But there's not a thing they can say about Jesus, is there? We believe the gospel. I don't believe in myself. I believe the gospel. I believe on Jesus. And I'm not preaching myself. I'm preaching Christ Jesus the Lord. So tell this world about Jesus before it's too late. It's going to be too late for some of them. And the Bible said that, and this is what I believe, is that you'd be sent a strong delusion and they'll believe a lie and be damned. This world is in need of you and me of speaking this gospel. As one preacher said, the, the Christians are in the closet and the sodomites are on the streets. That's how we're living today. Christians are in the closet, scared to death, they're going to be labeled something. Oh, Lord forbid they label you something. We're hiding and they're marching in the streets. Hey, it ought to be us marching in these streets. They don't have nothing to offer. We do. I can tell you about a man. (laughs) Change your life. All right, we got to go. All right, look at this. That's our persuasion. Now look with me. Let's let's keep our read, let's keep reading here. We have in the same spirit of faith, and so we also believe, and therefore we speak. And look at verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Isn't that a confidence in this future? He's gonna go into that later on in chapter five. And I've already preached chapter five, so I'm not gonna going into that in verse 14 there. Look at verse number 15. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Probably for the first four or five years of my ministry, I quoted that verse as rebound. Any basketball players know what a rebound is? From the pulpit, I quoted that thing, rebound. Lord, help us. But this is redound. Let me give this to you. God, have mercy on us. Verse number 15, let me give you this quickly as we look at our possibilities. Uh, This um, redound means to abound to, contribute to, result in, increase and abundance. So what he's saying here is, For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many abound to result in the glory of God. Are we concerned at all about, if you're not concerned about souls, are you at least concerned about the glory of God? Boy, Paul is, he's highly concerned about the glory of God. most, Most folks are worried about their own glory, aren't we? Some people defend themselves. Well, they're not going to say that about me. You're worried about your own glory. Go ahead and let them say it because it's probably worse anyway. If they really knew everything about your darkest hours, I'd I'd, I'd say it's better better what's being said than what the truth is. And like one man said, your friends don't need it and your enemies will never believe it. Don't even worry about defending yourself. But some folks are more worried about their own glory than they are the glory of God. 
Young people, I, you, you get your minds and I, I want you to get married. I want you to find a maid. I think it's the will of God for you. I love it. I'm for it. I, 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 I like to even think about putting some of you together, matchmaking like Brother Sammy did. And uh, I'm for every bit of that. I, I think it's wonderful. There's not a thing in the world wrong with that. I'm rejoicing in my heart that my kids, uh, that my boys like girls and my girls like boys. <laughs> and so I'm for it. I'm 100% behind it. But don't lose sight of the glory of God in seeking your own glory. Right? Well, this is what I want, Samson. Yeah, Samson, I, I want this woman. I've got to have her. Well, that's not what God wants for you. I don't care. Give me. I sat down and wrote a little thing this morning. I'm going to preach as soon as God lets me. Of the times and the people in the Bible that said, give me. The prodigal son, give me the portion of goods that fall with me. Samson, give me this woman. His, he wanted his mom and dad to get that woman for him, didn't he? That's all he cared about. Well, Samson, what about God? This is what I want. What's he concerned with? The glory of God? No, he's concerned with himself. Well, there's others in there that I could. Joshua, on the positive side, there's some positive ones that say, give me this mountain. <laughs> so, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, what I, what I want you to do when you get in these situations and you're praying about a mate and uh, you're praying about somebody God have for you in your life, don't lose sight of bringing glory to God. You've got to come to that place where you say, Lord, here's what a lot of people do. I've heard preachers preach and say, you're supposed to take your life and, and lay it out for God, lay it before God, a blank sheet of paper and sign it at the bottom. What most people do is they fill out the paper, draw a line at the bottom and hand it to God and say, God, sign it. That's how a lot of you young people take dating. <laughs> well, God, this is one I want, sign it. They, have you even thought about asking God? See, that's supposed to be blank. God's supposed to fill it out. You're supposed to sign it. Now, y'all been amen to me good. Where are you at now? Come on, don't die. Ezra, just fill that thing out. Sign it at the bottom. And say, God, it's safer with you anyhow. You fill it out. Man, that's what you better do. Because I'll tell you what you're going to do. God will let you have what you want. You don't think he will? Sure he will. We got the Bible. Give us plenty of those examples. I want God. I want, I want. I didn't see the father standing in front of that prodigal going, no, no. Okay, you want it? Here you go, big boy. Take it. Boy, you better be careful this matter. I tell you, it's safer in God's hands. And what you need to do is just say, God, I don't care how it turns out. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. And I'm gonna, I'm, I am okay with whatever you write down on the page. Because I'm concerned about your glory. It's not about me and what I want. See, well, well this is what I want. This is what I, hey, fool with what you want. What does God want you to have? That's a better question, isn't it? Now, if you're worried about the glory of God, if you're not and you're just biding your time until you can get out of this church and now all the restrictions and all the pressure you're put under and parents that make you go to church and all that, then this ain't for you. 
This message ain't for you because can't nobody help you anyway. You'll get out there when you crash and burn and you'll, you'll be calling some of us for help when you get out there because you don't know half what you think you do. But for those that are concerned with the glory of God, junk what you want, hand God the paper, sign it at the bottom, and you'll be happy with what God gives you. You can always remember this. He could give you a husband like me. Amen. So be thankful for <laughs> Well, we gotta go home now, but hey, seriously, I'm serious about this thing. I've seen I've seen I've seen things these young people make decisions. Boy, I tell you, it it's lives lives are in shambles because of decisions made early on, jumping into situations of things you think you want. God will let you have what you want. That's not the problem. The question is, later on down the road, God can see ahead of you, and you're, you're gonna, he's gonna, He knows that you don't, you don't, what you think you want is not what you really want. God knows what's best for you, and just let the Lord have His way. Well, all right, we're done tonight. I, we see our possibilities. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's finish reading. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace, think of what God can do with your life. Think of the glory that could be brought to God by just getting this gospel out. And can, I, can I just give you some of this? Because I took the time to study it and never did do it. So can I just read this since we're going to finish this chapter and just reading? Can I give you this about David Brainerd? This, I mentioned him several times. He died before he was 30. Mom died when he was nine, 14. His daddy died when he was nine. He was a man that was just... I mean, the most frail, weak man, and I, I've wrote down so many things that he just uh, wrote about. And, and, and let me just give you a couple of these things that I wanted to give you. Um, I, I told you he had tuberculosis. He dropped out of college at one point. Uh, it got so bad. He, he testified himself. Rode several hours in the rain through the howling wilderness, although I was so disordered in the body that little or nothing but blood came from me. In the afternoon, my pain increased exceedingly and was obliged to betake myself to bed, was sometimes almost bereaved of the exercise of my reason by the extremity of pain. Uh, he wrote this, My soul remembered the warm, wormwood and the gall, I might say hell, on Friday last, and I was greatly afraid I should be obliged again to drink of that cup of trembling, which was inconceivably more bitter than death, and made me long for the grave more, unspeakably more, than for hid treasures. Well, it doesn't sound like a mighty powerhouse for God, does it? Sounds like just a weak man that just needed God. Frail and alone. Boy, I wish I could read you some of this. I've taken too long tonight. Here's some other thing. He talked about his loneliness that I wrote down here. He said, um, most of the talk uh, here is either Highland Scotch or Indian. I have no fellow Christian to whom I might unbosom myself and lay open my spiritual sorrows and with whom I might take sweet counsel and conversation about heavenly things and join in social prayer. My heart sometimes was ready to sink with the thoughts of my work and going alone in the wilderness I knew not where. Boy, I, I tell you, there's just there's so many things I wanted to bring out of his life. And talking about the weakness, his soul was pained to think of the barrenness and deadness that I have lived so little to the glory of the eternal God. I spent the day in the woods alone and there poured out my complaint to God. Oh, that God would enable me to live to his glory for the future. 
And I've got others that I wanted to read and talk about the, just the frailty and brokenness of this man uh, that God used to uh, not maybe so much necessarily in this moment of time, but think about the glory of, that's been brought to God by the missionaries that come later on that were inspired by this man's life. See, you don't know what God can do with your life. You think, well, what's God doing in my life? I'm sick all the time. I, I, I'm depressed half the time. I'm this and I'm that. Well, yeah, maybe you might be, but you don't know whose effect you might have in somebody else's life whose God's able to use greatly for his glory. You don't know what God's going to do with your life if you're concerned about the glory of God now. And all that misery and pain, boy, I wish you, just go back. Many of you have read this probably, I'm sure, years ago, but go back and read this. Can I give you his closing uh, life? Uh, Here's what he said in in, um, uh, the the last uh, days of his life. I declare that I would not for all the world have spent my life otherwise. I can't say that, can you? I've wasted a lot of time. And all that pain and misery that he went through, and he said, I wouldn't trade it for nothing living for the Lord. All because of one verse, come, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Man, hey, God's able to do something for you. Let's finish reading our chapter and we'll go home, okay? For which cause we faint not. What cause? The glory of God. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And that's our perseverance. Verse number 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. <laughs> That's our prophet. Well, I wish I, I had time to go through this and give you the provisions that were given. But let me just give you this last. And I don't know that we'll come back here. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's our perception. Our perception ought to be, our eye ought to be on eternity, should it not? So, Christian, you're running. Keep your eye on the prize. Don't get distracted. The glory of God's all that matters. Let all the chips fall out where they will. And let's just stay busy in the Lord's work, serving people and giving out this gospel. That will bring glory to the Lord. We love you. Thank you tonight for the book, Lord. We can say with what Brainerd said there, the last of his life, that Soon would that book be opened unto him. And Lord, this book that's helped us, these verses that have helped us through so many trials and afflictions, I'm asking you to work into our hearts that we would faint not at getting out this gospel for the glory of God. We love you. Thank you for those that are here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. Just a moment. Brother Reed's going to sing. What we got, Brother Reed? 187. 187. If you need to come, come on. And then we'll be dismissed.